pardon me, but I believe the show is set to start right now. Buckle your seatbelt, strap in, put on your helmet and mouth guard. You have entered into Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This is, here we go, episode 29, part two of side one of Iron Maiden's self-titled debut album. That's a mouthful. This is going to pick up right where we left off on part one. And because this is a side two, I'm not going to waste a bunch of time here. I'm going to get right into it. So here we go. Now, the right. next song. The next song is "Remember Tomorrow," and that's yep. yours to take. It's mine. It's mine. Okay, so my notes. Uh, I comment that um, the early build is great. Capital G R E A T. Great. Yes. Uh, I love Paul's what I call a vocal scream, like on the last word of each little run, like "Fire" or "Sky" on the second verse, mm-hmm. and where he just really just. I mean. All of a sudden, he just boom and just hits it. And I, yeah. I would impersonate it here, but it'd yeah, be embarrassing let's... for me and <laughs> turn away listeners. So uh, I think you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. that I love that every time that happens, repetitive. I love it. It just gives me chills. Uh, so then my next note is the there's a tempo change in the solo. Uh, like that very much. I, I I say it's a slow song starting off to fast and killer. Um, I enjoy that slow to fast, slow to fast, lots of build, as I uh, would say. So a very enjoyable song. Do you want my rating? No, you, you can wait till, wait till I'm done and then you okay. can give it to me. Yeah. I'll do that every time then. Yeah. That's the way we can go there. Okay. I said, um, yeah. Great song. Great. Song. Yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, Song three is a big change of pace with the classic Remember Tomorrow. Um, you know, you started out with Prowler and Sanctuary, Sanctuary, and um, it's a bit shocking to go from that because, you know, we're talking 1980 here. So they were at the forefront of the new wave of British heavy metal. So 
they come in with these two, uh, what I'm just going to call all out bangers, you know, just boom. And then, then you go into remember tomorrow and it's like, all of a sudden you get this, you know, this nice little arpeggiated guitar play at the beginning and the, the, you know, Steve Harris playing the bass underneath it. And it just, you know, and then he comes in and Paul comes in singing nice and soft. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. Um, now, the first time I ever heard this, I, I did say this earlier, was uh, on Made in Japan, of course. And I really liked this on Made in Japan. Um, hearing it, him sing that on Made in Japan, to me, is a lot more enjoyable than hearing it on the album. Um, the, part, the parts of the song where it speeds up on, the, on Made in Japan are a good bit faster. And Paul's screams, to me, are a lot better. Um, I think that, and this is, and this is something that I think I'll address a little later too. I really think this is where uh, having Martin Birch pr- produce the album would have helped a lot because if you listen to the way Paul sounds on this album overall, vocally compared to how he sounds vocally overall on Killers, I think you can tell that Martin Birch got a lot more out of him. There's, you know, there's rumors that the, or you know, it's the story goes that the producer of this album, his name was Will Malone. And that he was, uh, I think this is the story Steve Harris kind of says, is he was just kind of there to let, kind of just let the band do whatever. Eh, y'all do whatever. I'm, he didn't really, he wasn't that interested. So Yeah, that's, that's what I, I, I was going down a YouTube rabbit hole and I watched some big long history of Iron Maiden and he was talking about that. And Okay. Earlier when you mentioned the whole uh, background vocals and too much like Queen and he, I think Steve Harris mentioned mentioned something like that too as well. That yeah, 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 yeah. They took a lot of stuff out and he thought it would have been a lot better if they would have left a lot of things in. But this guy was just kinda Yeah, he had a different mentality. <laughs> different yeah, different mentality. Yeah, different ideas. Yeah. So but um okay. So um I said uh, when you're hearing this, there's something you hear a lot of something that a lot of bands don't do. Make something that Maiden does that a lot of bands don't do, and that's Lots of songs that start out with bass. And, uh, you know, we get a nice soft bass line uh, and some nice guitar accents. The drums have a really warm, you know, they sound good. You know, from like I say, for whatever people say about the way the production sounds, I think it sounds really good. Um, the verses have, there's a good melody. And to me, whenever Paul sings uh, this style, he sounds really nice. He sounds really good. I really like that. Um, and then, uh, let's see, the chorus picks up the pace, not like on Made in Japan, but, uh, and there's not a whole lot of the chorus going on. You know, there's not really a chorus other than Paul just kind of singing out, you know, oh, whoa. And he does it on Made in Japan so much better. It's faster, and his vocals are, you know, he's in a live setting, and it's just naturally. Um, I said, uh, the bass is high in the mix but it's not so much that you can't hear the guitars in the background. Um, and musically, I just said, it's a beautiful sounding song. It's, and of course, any, any Iron Maiden song, the bass is high in the mix, but it's never to the detriment really of the guitars. You can always, it's a, it's a really cool mix. Um, so we get it after, after the chorus, we get another verse, the chorus comes again, and then the song, you know, takes a turn and picks up the pace again. Uh, like I said, I, I prefer the Made in Japan. I see here. Uh, I said, during the guitar solo, the bass is very high in the mix. Uh, par for the course for fans to know all these years later. But I wonder what someone hearing this album for the first time back then 
would have thought, you know, because I don't think that was a common thing to have the bass so high in the mix, maybe on like funk music or something, you know, but, uh, yeah. So I, I, I uh, but I, I think, uh, if you're hearing this song for the first time when it was out, you probably would have picked up that Iron Maiden wasn't like other bands. Uh, they just, they have their own unique sound and, you know, I'll let's see. I'll finish up saying Steve Harris kills it on the bass on this song again. Uh, this <laughs> this song is pretty mm, epic overall, yeah. and I've never I've never really thought of it that way. But I think today I was listening and I just thought, man, this is it's kind of a long song. It's like I think six minutes, and it's it just it, it builds and it goes down and it builds and it's and then I also said I wonder what Martin if Martin Birch would have caught more of the live vibe. I guess because I'm so used to the uh, main oh band. yeah. But I wonder if he would have, yeah. if it would have, if they would have sped it up in the studio even, or if, but either way, this song, okay, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you this song. I give this song a Spinal Tap 11. I love this song. Absolutely love this song. Oh, the Spinal Tap 11. Yeah. Those are, wow. They're okay. out there. They're out there. What do you, what about you? I, I gave it, I gave it an eight. Ooh, wow. Eight. <laughs> eight. Eight. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. Cool. I, when, <laughs> when we, when I was in, um, are you fixing to kick me, kick me off the show? As I, as yeah, as I'm about to hang I'm up. Bye. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, when I, when we were in Colorado, uh, when I was on the hiking trip with Mark and his friend, um, we were talking, and one of the things his friend said he noticed was he goes, I think it's, he goes, I really like that. Whenever you hear an opinion that you don't like, you just kind of go, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> he just he said instead of arguing, I'm like, well, you know, there's only so much, you know, you get into it with someone a little bit, you're like, oh my gosh, what? But I mean, it's, like I said, it's not like an eight. It's not like you're saying it's a four on a scale. You know, it's an eight yeah. is still a good. It's it's not like you're saying it sucks or something. So, okay, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay, so okay. So te- technically, so, on my on my grading scale that I said everything is practically everything's a seven. Yeah, you know, that's saying it's good. And then when you go to the eight, that's saying it's. Very good, and then nine would be what? Great. Right. Ten will be a ten's amazing. Ten's so, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. you know, eight's eight's very good. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm I'm just yeah. you know just a just you know it. And uh, when I'm thinking about the songs on this album and which ones I like the best. Yeah. Um. So okay, <laughs> the next track is going to be for me. It's running free. Uh, this is another song that I heard. Uh, every time when I think of Running Free, I always think of Paul Diano. I want you to sing for me. You know, the drum beat comes right in on the uh, Made in Japan. That's what he said. I want you to sing for me. Um, does it? I, I I've only listened to it one time. So is it? Does it sound that uh, unexcited? Uh, when he says, "I want you to sing for me. for me," yeah, he's just like, "I want you to sing for me." It doesn't. I mean, he doesn't sound like. <laughs> He's not. He wasn't like Bruce Dickinson, where he, uh, he really got in there and. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's a difference. I mean, he didn't sound like he's depressed. I mean, but he's just he's just like. <laughs> well, the way he, the way he said me. it made it sound like he's just like sing for me. All right, you know, go ahead and you can you can uh, uh, you can jab at me here. You know, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, all right. So running free is the right, fourth, right. fourth track from the album. Uh, right. It starts with a simple drum beat, and and right. you guessed it some lead bass going on with it. Uh, never, and then, never bad when it's Steve Harris. Oh, heck no. So you get, uh, he gets a simple guitar riff coming in, you know, dun, 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 dun. Uh, 
the bass and the guitar sound really good when the whenever Paul is singing. Now his vocals are really in this song really gritty, which is really a big contrast with with just the pretty the nice vocals of Remember Tomorrow. So I think that's a pretty interesting contrast. Um, during the second chorus, when they you know sing "I'm Running Free," yeah, Dennis Stratton it sounds like his harmonizing with Paul and me. I love I love the way it the way it sounds there. Um, after that, you get a solo section. It's short, but there's a dual you know it's a dual solo, and I, and I love you know the dual solos. Um, now after the solo is another part of this album that I have a the big one of probably this is probably the worst sound on the album. Um, you know, there's the part where the bass line goes like, and the guitars are like, the part where that, to me on the album, it sounds horrible. I mean, it sounds, I don't know what, I'm like, what is going on with this guitar sound? Because certain parts of the album, it sounds really good. And then to me, that just sounds really bad. I don't know if it was a old recording or something that, you know, they recorded it on a tape recorder. I don't know what it was, man, but it doesn't sound that good to me. But doesn't take away from this, that I dislike the song or anything. But um, uh, like I said, I'm not sure why, but it reminds me of a little bit of the uh, intro to Prowler. Um, just kind of the, I don't know, it just doesn't sound, I, I'm I'm a Martin Birch guy. I love the Martin Birch's sound. Like I said, you listen to this back, I, I did this during the week where I would listen back to back with Killers. And I was just like, Listen, I didn't never have a problem playing Killers, like letting it restart and playing it again, and letting it restart. But when this album was over, I just wanted to not listen for a while because I just needed needed a, a reprieve. Um, again, I'm going to say something about this song that I, I don't know if I've said this on any of the other songs yet, but um, uh, Steve Harris's bass playing is really awesome. You know that I love that. Um, and so I you're saying the, he's a talented bass player. I think he's saying. got a little bit. Of, I think he. I think that if he put his uh, mind to it, he could probably do something with, with his life with, with the bass. That is what I'm saying. Um, okay. Now I think the version on here is pretty similar to the version on Made in Japan. It's not like a huge, huge jump. Um, I don't love Paul Diano's vocals on this song, but I don't dislike him. But I do like. There's one part. I think it's the very end of the song, toward the very end, where he just goes. He says, that's the way it's gotta be. Yeah. And he goes really high right there. I think that, yeah, yes. I like really cool. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm then I like the harmonized chorus toward, you know, how it just ends the song when they just say I'm running free yep. yeah, over and over. Yep. I love the, I love the harmonies there. And one thing that I noted here and, and I had to double check, but I was pretty sure I love that the song has an ending. There's no fade outs at all on right. this album. Every song and I wrote this, my last note that I wrote in this song was, I said, these songs were made to be played live. They were made for the live environment. Go ahead yeah. and tell me what you think about Running Free. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I enjoy the song. I wrote, break down at the 142, approximately the one, one minute, 42 second mark. I enjoy that. I enjoy the little runs that they have in there. And then I, uh, Mentioned earlier, I, I had a note about Steve Harris, and you've you've said it basically every song. But I put <laughs> this is what I put: Steve Harris equals bass god. That's what I wrote. Pretty much, yeah. I, so uh, go ahead, real quick. Oh, that you're done? No, no, no. But you were fixing to say something. I was gonna no, no, no. I just said I but, totally okay. agree. 
totally agree. Definitely, definitely. Steve Harris equals base god. Uh, and then next, I put, as you mentioned as well, a great I put sing along chorus, kind of thing where in concert, you know that that would be a highlight of that song, singing the chorus because you know everybody knows the chorus. Not everybody knows all the lyrics, yeah. But everybody knows the chorus, and that, you know that would be a really killer. Um, to to see this live back then, especially, and this uh, I made watching the lyrics as I mentioned earlier for all of these songs. Yeah, uh, it made me think of this would be a, a great like road trip song if you're making a playlist for a road trip. You and your buddy, you know, whoever it may be, Iron Maiden fan or not, you know, running free. I'm running free. Yeah, it's just pretty awesome. I put kind of not. Not 100%. It's not like, oh boy, hit, hit the open road. Here we go. But I put kind of, yeah. And then yeah. lastly, uh, I put the ending screams so nice. Yeah, heck yeah. That's exactly what I wrote. I put ending screams, comma, so nice, underline nice twice, exclamation, <laughs> exclamation point to emphasize it so I wouldn't forget. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, repetitive thing for me with your Steve Harris comments. My comments on a lot of these were anywhere where Paul does the little screams or really hits a note on an ending word or something like that. It's just every time it's just like, yeah, I I like that. That's nice. Paul Paul Dianos is very he's a, he's an underrated vocalist. He can really he really had a lot of vocal ability. I mean, you listen to especially like you listen to that uh, Maiden uh, Maiden Japan, and I mean he. He just sounds awesome. Something else that I was thinking of, one thing that you mentioned about the song being a good concert sing-along, if you ever get the, if you ever have a chance to listen to Running Free from Live After Death on LP, uh, not on cassette, but I don't know, I don't even know if the CD version, I don't, you know, that was the album that I got into Maiden with, but I don't go back to Live After Death. I just don't go back and listen to it. I prefer listening to the post 2000s rock and rio death on the road in vivo i prefer those albums all over live after death which i'm sure you know would get me shot if, if somebody knew where i lived but um but i was they do that on this song it's like eight the running free you know on this album it's i think uh how long is it it's like maybe three minutes long or something like that and um on the live after death it's like eight minutes long I mean, they oh, really? really, yeah, they really mm. stretch it out. And they, you know, Bruce goes to town on the <laughs> chorus. You know, they go, I'm running free. Yeah. And then the crowd just screams it out. And it's it's really, it's yeah, fun. I remember, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. It's a I good remember listening song. to the album. And, but I was thinking this, um, while you were talking, the one thing that I thought about it was, <clears throat> I always say that Flight of Icarus, I think Flight of Icarus and Can I Play With Madness are two songs that, you could easily introduce somebody that, because for me, Flight of Icarus was the song where when I heard it, I was like, oh, this band's a little more accessible than I realized. I didn't, you know, back in the day, you know, seeing the album covers and I just didn't think that, I thought, oh, they're probably too heavy for me or I didn't know. But I thought that while thinking this, Running Free, that's, that's an easy song that would be something you could introduce somebody to Iron Maiden with. You could be like, hey, no, Iron Maiden, they're too heavy for me. No, 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 no. Check this out. Play him Running Free. Play him Flight of Icarus. Can I play with Madness? Uh, I think you could, especially Flight of Icarus and Running Free, I think you could really 
that, those are those are very easily they're very accessible. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I hear you. How, how do you rank? How do you rank running free? Uh, give it a nine, Uncle Steve. A nine. A nine. Okay. 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 Yeah, I, I got a feeling yours is not so high. Uh, well, I would say for running free, you know, it's it's it's. I'll say it's a seven and a half. I'll say a seven. I'm gonna say, you know what, a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. I like the song, but it's not. I just, well, let me rephrase it. I love the song, but it's not. It's you know they've they've got a lot of other songs that are. Yeah, I think I'm trying not to say. I'm trying to say how to, I don't want to say I don't like. I don't. I don't dislike the song, but it's not. It's not their best work. It's, it's good, but not great, according to you. You know what? I am gonna. I'm gonna give it a tiny bump and say it's a seven and a half because that is a song yeah. that you can really introduce somebody. You know what? Golly, I'm jumping. <laughs> Hey, if we I'm gonna, keep going, if we keep going, it's going to be a ten here in about five. It's going to be a ten, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop at an eight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's an eight because <laughs> because that's a, because it's a classic song. It's a it's it's something that you could easily introduce Iron Maiden to, and yeah, it's got a good it's a, got a good easy chorus to sing along with. It's it's nothing fancy, but it's nothing. It's not cheesy either. So, but yeah, yeah. it's a well, an so eight I, an eight on my scale is very good. Okay, very so, good. The next song up is a song called Phantom of the Opera. I've heard of it. Well, I hope you've heard it. It's, it's your, my turn, isn't it? It's yeah, your it's turn. I, I should have right, went so, first because all the songs that I love the most, you, you <laughs> go first. Okay, hey, tell me chance, what you think you of Phantom of the Opera. You get your chance to talk. You get your chance. Yeah. I will. Phantom of the Opera. Again, like uh, Prowler, the opening riff I put is uh, so iconic. You immediately know what's up. Yes. And... The rating that I gave this one, I gave it before the song even was done playing. I was like, it starts playing, and I just gave it this rating. And, I you know, we had a little discussion earlier, or maybe yesterday, or maybe I texted you, I can't remember. But I said, I have a declaration to make. Okay, yeah, let's hear this declaration. I have a declaration. I didn't tell you what it was. And you didn't want me to tell you because you wanted to wait to hear the have the suspense. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, I made among my notes. I keep referring to it, but my side note: Maiden is now my number two all time favorite band. Okay, I was I thought I was thinking whenever <laughs> I thought your declaration was going to actually make. The jump to number one is where I thought it was. I was like, he's going to come on here and say that <laughs> Iron Maiden is his favorite band. <clears throat> well, I've got too much time with Kiss. I've just got way too much time with Kiss. Way too many memories. But Give as far it time. as every, every, everything else, there's so much that I do enjoy about Maiden. And not just the music, but just kind of principles, you know, all the live stuff, just the way they do things. You know, I, I definitely enjoy it. And hey, that's about, a big deal. That's Taking these though. notes and writing this this song was just like giving me the chills, and I was like, "Damn!" And I was like thinking in my head, "I was like, how much do I love Maiden now? How much am I like really into it?" And I was I made a little actually side note, kind of blocked it all <laughs> off. Maiden, my number two all time favorite band! Exclamation point. So there you go. I assume it's going to stick because this has been going on for a while. Right, the buildup's been happening, so yes, you know, maybe in a couple of years, if we're doing a uh, 
a review of the new uh, Iron Maiden album that comes out in the next year or two, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully maybe, so. Maybe, maybe they'll jump to number one by then. Who knows? I, and, and what's funny is um, I was telling, I don't know who I was telling, but I was talking to somebody and I said, yeah, I'll be out somewhere randomly and I'll just get a text from you and it'll be like a picture of, of like, I think today, I think you sent me a picture of the final <laughs> frontier and yeah. I was just like, uh, and you'll just be like, Oh man, I'm loving whatever, whatever you send me a picture of or you'll have a comments about it and all that. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, man, he's really digging. This. He's really digging this. And and <laughs> it's cool because, I mean, you came in so late. There's yep. so much for you to discover, you know, like, like for me, an album like Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. <clears throat> I've been listening to that album, you know, what is this? 88, 98, 08, 8, yeah. over, over 30 years. Yeah, it's crazy. And you've, and you've got maybe a year or two or, or three. On yeah. It, so yeah, I don't even so really... much. Uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great position to be in. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know we do we're we're podcast people. Obviously, I listen to a ton of podcasts, and one of my favorite things is discovering a podcast that's already finished, or is deep into it, and I can go back and like have days and days and days <laughs> or weeks to to listen to tons of stuff. Like people are gonna, whenever the world discovers Uncle Steve, then they're gonna have all these episodes to come back and and. To, <laughs> To go through this guy's an idiot. <laughs> years, years of stuff to listen to, and they're going to be listening to me saying, "This guy is prophetic. He knew Uncle Steve was going to blow up." So, <laughs> wow. Well, but hey, my, my notes aren't done yet. So um, I was about to say, that's, yeah, that's all you got. <laughs> so yeah, uh, opening riff so iconic, you immediately know what's up. Rated a ten before the song. Well, there, there goes that. I gave it a ten, mm-hmm. obviously, before the song even like. Barely even started. I just immediately wrote 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote, I love the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics are very fast. You got to really spit them out is what I said. And yeah. as I'm watching the lyric video, even watching it and knowing what was coming, it was kind of hard for me to, and to get it out as fast as they had to get it out. The backing vocals sound really cool, which they do this whole album. I just love the way they just, Poke them in there sometimes for certain words or certain little parts of the chorus to just kind of bleep yeah. and just kind of blop pop them in there. It's not the whole time, but it always sounds. It's always like really good timing to put it in there, and it really just kind of pops. I love it. So, and then at the approximate three twenty mark, uh, the little bass and guitar breakdown, and then it goes into the solo. I love that part. And then earlier you mentioned uh, I've already forgotten what song, but you said it reminded you of Prowler. Uh, well, on this one, which is, maybe I'm crazy, but at the 420 mark, and don't don't read anything into that 420, but I put <laughs> that it, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. at the 420 mark, I said to me it sounds like Running Free, and for about 15 seconds, oh. I don't know. Okay. You have to go back and check it out. But around the 420 mark, there's kind of a little break, not really a breakdown, but kind of a a part to me as like for a split second, I was like, am I? Still on Phantom of the Opera? Hang on, what's going on? So I had to rewind it, do it again. I was like, yeah, that does remind me of of uh, Running Free. Uh, and then lastly, the thing I put, and you just mentioned this earlier on a on the previous song, I put the ending is sudden but cool. There's no fade out. There's no whatever. It's just like, bam, and it just like stops. 
which is great. Yeah, yeah. So okay, hold, there you go. Hold, hold tight. It's here. a ten. I, I just, yeah, I just I just did this real. I just real real fast on my computer. I, I just I just pulled up Phantom of the Opera real fast. I'm just gonna hit play okay. and see what it sounds like. I got it at four eighteen or something. Let's see what you're talking about. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah, I'm running free. Yeah, I'm running free. I just, I mean, I'll say it just I'll caught say, me. Yeah. That might be a stretch, but I mean, you're talking about these. These songs were all written in the same time frame, so I'm sure. I'm sure there's definitely some things like that, but yeah. Oh gosh, just turning that little part on, I'm just like, holy crap, that's <laughs> awesome! Oh my gosh, oh gosh. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, so very good. This ten is for this, ten, ten out of ten. This, this is what I said. This is this is how my notes start. Side one, because this is a, if you're talking records back in our day. Side one closes with the absolute epic Phantom of the Opera. Now, if anyone remembers, uh, and you probably remember this even, but when I my my absolute favorite song on Live After Death is Phantom of the Opera. I loved. It. I mean, that, I remember hearing that and just because that was on. You had to have the record to be able to listen to it because it was not on the tape. The tape was too long, but um, it was on side four uh, of the album, and it was the last song. Oh man, so great! I said immediately we get a guitar and bass intro, and I said there's just not a lot of bass players that play like this, and if they do. I bet I know who a big influence on them is. <laughs> um, after the intro, uh, the guitar and the bass go up the fretboard, and then Clive Burr kicks in with like this frenetic. Oh man, I love the way he's he's just playing, and the 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 guitar and bass are all in unison together. It just sounds oh, it's awesome. Oh, and okay, <clears throat> just I'm gonna take a little a little diversion here. Uh, just a quick diversion here, but I was listening to this earlier and I thought, imagine this version right here, the 1980 version of Iron Maiden opening for Kiss when they were touring their pop album, Unmasked. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. Maiden, and I know, I know, you know, Kiss fans and will pretty much, you know, always shoot this notion down and Kiss has always shot this notion down. But, um, this is my, this is, you know, and I'm a big Kiss fan. Uh, you know that. And I, I wrote. Are, I are think, you? Are you? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've got a couple of their songs on my phone. <laughs> um, but I said, I think that Maiden must have destroyed Kiss on this tour. And I'm an old school Kiss fan, but come on. There's yeah. no way, no way was Kiss competing with this. I mean, to no, me. No, there's no way. Yeah. They must have just had a sheet out in the lobby where they were selling Iron Maiden shirts. You know, how many of you want to sign up to be on the Iron Maiden fan club and get out of the Kiss fan club? You know what I mean? And and well, and funny enough, it, well, it used to it used to be Kiss would be the ones that were showing up the uh, yes. the main act. Yes. And now the tables have turned where Kiss was probably Big getting show, showed up by the opening act. You know. I've got um I've got I've got some pictures saved that and one of and two of my favorite pictures. One of them is a picture of Steve Harris with Paul Stanley from that era. Like they're backstage and uh, you know, Steve Harris, they both got a you know smile on their face, whatever. Kiss was the headlining band in nineteen eighty. Fast forward to nineteen eighty eight and Iron I have this picture, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's a picture of Steve Harris and he's he's come he's like in between Gene and Paul and he's kinda got like maybe his arms around or whatever. 
and they're both holding umbrellas and Steve Harris is just under the umbrella with them. And I'm like, now who's the boss, you know, because, because they were headlining uh, the Donington festival in 1988. Kiss was underneath Iron Maiden. They were opening for Iron Maiden at that yeah. point. So, so, uh, yeah, but I was much. just like, you know, Maiden, <clears throat> very consistent, very uh, driven and never really, other than a short, you know, to me in the er- in the, uh, in the early nineties, they kind of got a little, uh, like they seemed like they were a little lost, but they've never seemed like they've gotten really off of Steve Harris. You know, he had all these plans for the band, you know, which if you watch that, uh, first, uh, that documentary that you watched the other night, you saw something, you know, where he talks yeah. about, he's had all this stuff written down, like these goals. And I mean, and he was just driven. And that's one of the cool things I read about Martin Burge. You know, he passed away, uh, today's Friday. He passed away on Sunday, I believe. And, I was reading some stuff and he was just like one of the things that really drew him to wanting to work with Iron Man is he said they were so hardworking and driven at that, you know, that early on. And, and he just said that it was great to work with him. And, uh, okay, let me get away from the, that's a tan going on a tangent there about, <laughs> about how yeah, it's easy. And don't get me wrong. Easy to I, do. I like the, I do enjoy the Australian kiss. Like, you know, when you listen to him sing Detroit rock city and, he kind of tends to <clears throat> drag his words out, like, and I I really enjoy the way they sound on that tour. But, but either way, Iron Maiden is my favorite band. So let's get back to Iron Maiden here. So okay, now after the first two lines of the song, I'm thinking that Martin Birch would have gotten a lot more out of Paul Diana because you know he's just kind because the way he sings, he's like, "I'm looking long for you now. You won't get away from my grasp." And he holds that long, and it just I'm just like, it just doesn't sound that good. Like, it doesn't sound bad, but it just doesn't sound great. And I'm thinking, I, I just feel like if they would have had Martin Birch on the first album, he would have really pushed Paul Diano. The same way you hear about Bob Ezrin pushing the artist that he produces, like when you hear about uh, hearing him with Kiss on Destroyer. But um, and it says, uh, but then there's the part, you know, he says, you've been living so long and hiding and hiding behind that false mask. And... Uh, they say your looks and your feelings, or the, there's a line that says where they say your looks and your feelings are just the remains of your past. And you hear Dennis Stratton harmonizing with Paul. It sounds so good. Yeah. I love, I love yeah. that part. Um, yeah. Just like I said before, going through the lyric videos and watching this and taking my notes, it was, it added more to the song, add more to it. Cause I just like, man, these lyrics are yeah. some of them pretty simple and not, you know, pretty uh, coarse, but then others were just like, Oh, that's what he's saying. This is like makes it even cooler now. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talking it. about, oh uh, yeah, man. I keep repeating myself about Steve Harris's bass playing, but on this song, I repeat something else. Then there's another line where he says, "You know, I'm helpless from your mesmerizing cat call." And Dennis Stratton's on the background on that. And I mean, and and I, this is what I said. I, said, I might make some fans mad here, but I really don't care a lot for the way Diano sounds in this song. But I love his harmonies with Dennis Stratton. You know, then there's the part where he says, keep your distance, walk away, don't take his bait. And then they come in. Oh, don't yeah. You stray. Love- oh, that yes. sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that part. It's so good. And then after that part, yeah, yeah, you know, the song, <laughs> the song breaks down and it gets really mellow and you get these really bluesy sounding guitar solos. And oh, man, freaking awesome. So, so good. And and then behind it, Steve Harris is, you know, on the bass is like, probably doesn't sound exactly like but if you know the song i mean man you just oh 
he just he's right behind it. It's it's high in the mix, but the guitar solo is good. You can hear the uh, other guitar just playing little things in the background with it. It sounds and Clive Burr's uh, drumming. He's not doing too much, not doing too little. He's doing exactly what works at that. And I love. Oh gosh, you know, there's so many drummers that do too much. And <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm still not done here. Um, now, after after that part, we get a bass line uh, where you know where everything kind of ends. It's like. Da da dun dun da da dun 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 and then Steve Harris like and then the you get the dual the dual solo coming in and man I love I love where the where it goes musically there because they just they go on a journey and it's just like you just jump aboard and completely get lost in it. It's so it's so they're killing it. They're killing it right there and definitely Yeah, and then the the song that changes the pace, it slows down a little bit, we get some soloing. And I'm just like, this song is epic. Um, and I said, after a good bit of awesome music, the song revs up to where it started. Um, we get a really good Paul scream uh, right before we get some good harmonies with him and Dennis Stratton. And, it's, and, and this is what I say. As quickly as the song started, it's over. But what's so great is that it took seven minutes and it certainly does not feel like seven minutes. It's like yeah, quick. That's right. I said the essence of a great song. This is a. I wish I could go higher, but I'm just you know all I can say is this is a Spinal Tap eleven. Man, this is top notch. This is. I'll stop there. I'll stop there. Okay. Now, when I first set this up to come out, it was all one episode. Well, side one and side. Two were separate episodes, but side one uh, was around 90 minutes long, and I'm not sure I want the episodes to go that long. I don't really mind listening to an episode that long because I can pause it and get back to it, but uh, I feel like if it's an hour or so, it's usually able to be listened to all at once. Uh, my question is, what do you think about that? Because... I'm debating how long to make these episodes and I don't know if an hour and a half is too much, too long, whatever, but um, I do look forward to hearing what you think about it. Do let me know. So thank you for listening to this episode, this side part two of side one. Uh, thank you for listening. And on behalf of myself, Joel, Iron Maiden, Eddie and the boys, Good night. <clears throat> Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. Now, when you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble. Give a whistle. And this will help things turn out for the best. And... Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs>